People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Welcome back once again to Premier League Insights. It's non-stop action in the Premier League and we're now on to game week 32. The odds are up, the value is there, but what does the data suggest? We don't really spend much time apart nowadays, but but Jake Osgathorpe is here again to help you listeners inform your betting ahead of the upcoming fixtures. Hello Jake, almost a, a daily occurrence now. Yeah, joined at the hip, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a manic schedule that we've got going on, but um, you know, at least we've got Premier League football to look forward to pretty much every day. I see, you can't complain. We've got um what we'll do is we'll do the first four fixtures for, for game week thirty two and then next week we can reconvene and, and go through the others. But are you ready to get going with what we've got? Yeah, yeah, let's get stuck into uh, what, what we have got Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. Right, so we've got Aston Villa versus Wolves as our first game and two points from three games since the return for Aston Villa and Although they're still in the relegation zone, they are level on points now with Bournemouth in 18th and West Ham in 17th. Four goals is currently the difference between relegation and safety at the moment. So how close that will be come the end of, end of the season, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but Villa are winless in seven, five losses and two draws. But performances have got a little bit better of late. They've won the XG battle in the last three games against Sheffield United, Chelsea and Newcastle. I think, as we said on the last pod, you can you can probably exclude Chelsea from that list, and that was a bit of a weird one in terms of XG, XG given how the the chances fell. But there's there's two games there certainly that they should have won, so they're they're going to be a bit bit disappointed with how with how things have gone of late. They've now got a, a very difficult task in Wolves. They've had two games since the break, two wins, no goals conceded. The games have been against two of the bottom four sides, West Ham and Bournemouth. So read into that what you will but they've been thoroughly deserved built on strong defensive performances and and as always clinical finishing from from Jimenez up front in this game Aston Villa have got a 20% chance to win according to the odds with a price of 4.86 Wolves are around a 54% chance at 1.809 and the draw is given 26% chance at 3.70 betters seem to be expecting another low scoring Wolves win here because there's a lot of action on the under 2.5 goals in terms of the 1x2 market, I think I said it before last weekend. I said it in midweek. I'll say it again. Wolves are fairly short, but they look like they probably should be a little bit shorter. What does InfoGoal think? Yeah, we completely agree with that assessment. Um, I guess this is a, somewhat of a derby, uh, Midlands derby between Villa and Wolves, but undoubtedly Wolves are the much better team coming into the game. Um, you mentioned there, obviously, Aston Villa won the, the XG battle in the last three. Um I mean, the game against Newcastle was a pretty decent defensive display. But, um, you know, while there are signs that they have improved um, at the back, it could well be the case. It is way too early to jump to conclusions. I mean, most of those three games have got asterisks next to them. If you think about Sheffield United, they're a team that have averaged less than a goal per game this season. And obviously, that was the first game back for the Blades. Um, It was the first game back against Chelsea as well. and then obviously against Newcastle, they played against the second worst attacking team in the league according to expected goals. So, um, you know, there were almost caveats to every single one of the games in which they did actually concede few chances. Coming up against a Wolves team that are a, quite a potent attacking um, attacking force could be 
or spell a lot of danger for Aston Villa. I mean, if you look at the previous 28 games prior to the break, they'd allowed uh, an average of 2.4 expected goals against per game, which is comfortably the worst defensive process in the league. Um, and they've been fortunate to have only conceded a league-high 59 goals this season, um, allowing 71.9 expected goals against. So not only have they been conceding goals for fun, um, their goals actually lived a charmed life, according to the quality of chances that they've been conceding. Um, one thing that they have got going for them, though, is, is in attack, where they rank as the 11th best team, according to expected goals this season. Um, they're much more potent attack at, at home, averaging 1.5 expected goals for per game than away from home, which is at 1.2. But they have to be the very best to reach Wolves. Um, Wolves, have, they've been fantastic. They've won, well, sorry, they've kept six clean sheets in the last seven Premier League games. Um, obviously, back-to-back wins to nil since the restart against, like you said, relegation fodder teams, West Ham and, and Bournemouth, Aston Villa also fit into that category. So we could end up seeing something similar here. Um, I keep saying it over and over again, but Wolves are are excellent. They sit fourth in our expected goals table. Um, and, you know, that's despite having to balance league commitments with European games. Um, and, you know, their, that, their XG process has been pretty much that of a, of a Champions League team for... You know, ever since they got promoted to the Premier League in, in at the start of last season, eighteen nineteen, they've finished in the top four of our XG table last season, uh, and they've just continued where they where they left off. And the 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 almost the the most impressive thing about Wolves is is the, their defensive process, and um, they've allowed just one point one two expected goals against per game overall this season, which is the third best in the league. Um, and away from home, they've allowed just marginally more one point one eight. Uh, and that's actually the second best defensive process away from home in the entire Premier League. So the foundations that Nuno's built his, his Wolves house on are very strong. Uh, and they've actually holding the title at the moment for the, the fewest non-penalty big chances conceded, allowing just 24 uh, non-penalty big chances in 31 Premier League games, uh, which is one fewer than Liverpool. So they, you know, although they're in a lofty position, sixth, they should actually be higher and they're playing at a much higher level than um, than what Aston Villa currently are. Um, obviously, Raul Jimenez has been in the in the limelight quite a lot recently. He scored twice since the restart. Um, his link up with Adama Traore seems to be one of the main um, threats for Wolves. Obviously, Traore is uh, just an absolute monster when he gets going on his day. Can beat anyone, um, and his delivery has, has improved greatly. I mean, the two crosses that he put in for Jimenez's goals against West Ham and Bournemouth were pretty much identical, and they were on the money for. Uh, a striker that really likes to attack balls in the air. Jimenez has averaged 0.52 expected goals per 90. Um, he looks an interesting bet to score any time here as, as a little bit of a side bet. Uh, we calculate around him around 50% chance, so even money for him scoring. Um, in terms of the actual, uh, in the main markets, Wolves, we've given them a 62% chance of getting the three points. Um, obviously the market at 54% it's a huge amount of value there and getting on side with Wolves even though like you said they are a bit short at around 1.8 um, interesting again with the goals market I know we, we seem to be disagreeing with the market quite a bit in terms of the overs and the unders um, but I think given Villa's predicament obviously they've, they've picked up two points from three games like you said they're level on um, on points now with, with Bournemouth and, and West Ham but they need wins and you know this is another home game for them in which they should probably look to get some form of result. And I think that they will have a go. They've set up in a much more attacking manner at Newcastle um, with Jack Grealish playing in, in midfield alongside John McGinn um, and an extra winger up there. 
um, alongside Samata. So if they if they set up in a similar manner, then I'd fully expect a, a much more open game than what we saw against Sheffield United and against Chelsea. So um, you know the, the model is con- is completely disagreeing with the market. The market's around forty five percent chance of the overs. Um, and the model says 59% of over two and a half. And um, obviously Villa's defensive issues definitely contribute to that. But obviously, like I said, Wolves away from home are one of the better teams in the league. So it wouldn't be surprised to see them win this comfortably or win this narrowly in a, in a game which both teams score, which is also a value play. The, mar- the market's undecided really on overs. Uh, sorry, both teams to score yes or no. It's around 50% the piece. Um, the model goes 55% yes. Slightly edging, edging over the, the both teams to score, no. So again, both teams score is the value. I know I've spoke about Wolves' defence, but like I said about Aston Villa, that their main strength this season and the main reason that they're actually still in the relegation uh, fight and not already been relegated is because they have a really strong attacking process, which is by far and away the best of the teams that are in the relegation battle right now. So they can cause Wolves problems, even though they have kept um, you know six clean sheets in the last seven league games. But the main play for me really is just to get on board with the Wolves win um, yet again. Great analysis of the the game as always, Jake. And I mean, obviously Villa, they've like you said, it's it's probably way too early to tell in terms of that up, uplifting performance. Although the results haven't haven't quite followed, I think even Dean Smith is is quoting in the media of of referencing expected goals, which is obviously good to see. Um, has your position changed much on? Because I remember a few weeks back when we did our kind of review pod of, of where things were. You kind of said Norwich definitely down. Villa probably looked like most likely going down. We've had a few games now. Has, has your position changed on that at all or are they still the second one to drop out of the three? It's it's tough to say really. Um, I'm looking at the fixtures of Aston Villa and it's really hard to see where they're going to get points. Um, obviously, we're, we're strongly fancying them to lose this week weekend against Wolves and then they follow that up with a game against uh, away at Liverpool before playing at home to Manchester United. They've also got to go to Everton uh, and host Aston Villa. Uh, sorry, host Arsenal. Um, so four of their remaining seven games are on paper games in which they will probably be second favourites in. Um, the other two at home to Crystal Palace and away at West Ham are probably going to define their season. Even if they win both of those games, that'll take them to 33 points. They're still probably going to have to pick up points elsewhere against uh, against better teams. I can't really see them picking up too many points. Um, so, yeah, I still think that they're going to be in serious trouble. At some point, the kitchen sink's going to have to come out. Uh, and, you know, we've seen all season long when they have been playing on the front foot, they've left themselves extremely exposed at the back. And if they, you know, if they're going all out against a team like Manchester United or Liverpool or even Wolves, then they're going to get shredded at the back because just be based on the quality that they have in attack, those teams. So, yeah, I mean, if they could pick up a couple of draws in in those games and 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 beat Palace and obviously West Ham, then anything's possible. But it could well come down to that final game at West Ham. But they could already be relegated by that point because West Ham have much easier running, um, according to expected position of the remaining opponent. So, yeah, I think Villa uh, will probably end up going down. It's just whether they go down with a fight or not. Right, now we've got Watford versus Southampton and this is one that we have to have to kind of mention at the time of recording. Southampton haven't played Arsenal and, and Watford haven't played Burnley. Um, unfortunately, that's, it's too much of a hectic fixture schedule and, and we can't record pod podcasts all day long so we've had to do this one a little bit in, in advance um 
one game probably won't make too much difference d- depending on what happens but we we might still see a fairly big reaction from the markets in here so obviously prices quoted and everything like that is is before those games um as for Watford they they salvaged that point against Leicester with a with the last kick of the game Southampton really started their season with a, a convincing 3-0 win against Norwich these are two teams that have been a bit better than the table suggests this season. Watford don't deserve to be in the, the relegation scrap that they're in. Southampton, it seems like we say this quite often about them season to season, they should probably be closer to the, the battle for Europe than the, the bottom of the table. It's it's a difficult one to call whether two teams play before this game, but but better seem to be waiting to make their play. There's there's limited action on the market so far. Fairly evenly split. Watford are just edging it, obviously, with a bit of home field advantage. 2.63 is their odds. That's that's 37% chance to win. Southampton, 34% chance, which converts to odds of 2.81. And the draw is at 3.39 or, or 29%. So as things stand for this, Jake, is, the, is there value in the market at the moment? <clears throat> yes, we, we think there is uh, value at the uh, at the moment, and it, it's in Watford's favour. It's just I'm counting there. You're saying about Southampton being closer to the um, to Europe than the relegation. I think they actually are technically on points, which just shows you how congested the middle of the table is right now. They're Southampton 14th before obviously playing against Arsenal, uh, ten points clear of the the relegation zone, um, and they're only seven points behind Sheffield United. So. Um, they really are mid-table, um, which is where they deserve to be. And obviously, like I said, it's so congested that a win here or a win there could move them up two or three places. Um, yeah, Watford, for me, they should end up staying in the Premier League pretty comfortably. I think the, the, the job that Nigel Pearson's done has been excellent. The, the process wasn't overly bad before he joined, but obviously they had this, just the just one win under the belt before Pearson joined, so getting over the line with the results um, as well as putting in good performances was something that was missing. Um, they were impressive, I thought, last week against Leicester. They were much the better team. They created the better opportunities and a draw was the least that they deserved according to expected goals. They racked up 1.68 to Leicester's 1.01. Um, and, you know, that what what is very evident is that Vicarage Road is a really happy hunting ground for Watford under Pearson. Um They've been the third best home team since Pearson joined. Uh, that's just based on results. But the process in that time has actually been really impressive as well. They've averaged 1.9 expected goals for per game and, and 1.4 expected goals against per game, which is the sort of process you'd see from a, a you know probably one of the three, uh, fourth or fifth best home teams in, in the Premier League. So they really are um, strong at home. And I think they play a much more expansive manner as well when they're playing at home as opposed to away from home. Um, I thought the, the setup that they've got with um, Decore in behind Dini, him getting in and around Dini for the knockdowns. And obviously, Ismail Assar looks at an absolute handful out wide. Um, he'll be sure to cause uh, Southampton's fullbacks all sorts of problems. Um, and defensively, they looked pretty solid in that game against Leicester, I thought. And obviously, Leicester dominated the football, um, had most of the possession, but they, they didn't really create any good chances of note. And it was only a Chilwell screamer that actually um, broke the deadlock and put them in front. So really positive um, signs that game for Watford. Obviously, you think back to the their home last home game prior to the break, and it was that sensational three 0 win over Liverpool. So really happy memories of playing at Vicarage Road, and, and the process suggests that they are, you know, one of the better home teams in the league under Nigel uh, since Nigel Pearson's arrival. And as for Southampton, um, you know, Watford really good home team uh, according to the actual table. Uh, Southampton a really good away team according to the actual table. They picked up. 23 points from 15 away games. That's the 
sixth best um, away record in the Premier League. And the process is probably not quite reflective of that. Uh, there are a couple of places lower on expected goal difference away from home. But nonetheless, pretty solid away from home. Um, 1.63 expected goals for per game, 1.68 against. So it just shows you that, that in terms of creating chances, they don't have an issue when they're playing away from home. Uh, that was evident against Norwich, um, albeit Norwich are a very vulnerable defensive team. Um, and, you know, looking at that 1.63 for 1.68 against, it just screams chances at both ends. And that's usually what we see when Southampton uh, play away from home. And that is uh, why we're thinking that overs could be a really good value play in this. Um, we think that there's a huge percentage chance of seeing over two and a half goals in this, 62% compared to the market's uh, 49%. I think the other thing to factor in as well is that both of these teams play on Thursday. Um, they're both playing at six o'clock, which is peak, uh, well, I say peak, but it's still roasting hot. Um, you're you're down, down south, you know how hot it is. I'm up north, it's very hot. Um, obviously, this game is being played down south. They're, these two teams are going to have players that are very fatigued with a short turnaround. So uh, you might see a lot of changes in terms of the squad. Um, yeah, I, I think that, the, that what that could lead to is, is, is a much lower intensity of press, which could lead to more space for these teams to exploit. And, um, you know, that's why goals, is I think, is going to be on the uh, on the agenda. Both teams to score also. It, it's a short price at... 55% around 1.72 on the market, but 63% on the model. So we, we do think there's going to be uh, goals in this one between um, a really attacking-minded home team and, and an away team that concedes and creates decent opportunities. As for the 1x2, we're looking at a small value on, on Watford, around 41% chance um, of a Watford win. The market's, like I said, around 37 Obviously, depending on what happens on Thursday, those prices could sh shift if, if Watford go to Burnley and, and get a really convincing win against a, a Burnley team that are light on numbers, then that price will shorten drastically, I would imagine. But then again, if Southampton beat Arsenal as Infogol expects, then um, you know you might see a shift back to, towards Southampton. So really interesting market. The two teams that I think have quite evenly matched um, and, you know, we're giving, obviously, with the home advantage, a, a marginal favour, uh, making Watford marginal favourites. Yeah, I think this is quite an interesting one where it's the, the games are so close and obviously the managers have got the additional substitutions. As We've already seen a lot of rotation, a lot of injuries and things like that. Is there is there anything kind of within the next 24 hours? I mean, obviously, either side could win 5-0 or lose 5-0, but that aside, is there anything you might look at? Because... Just as, as an example, Southampton playing Arsenal, we, we may well find out, who knows, that, that Danny Ings is rested or, or Watford against Burnley. They they might put Saar on the bench or Decore or one of those influential attacking players. And the reaction from a better at that time might be, oh, Danny Ings is rested against Arsenal. Maybe I should look at betting on Arsenal. Whereas, could you, could you arguably say, Danny Ings is rested against Arsenal. Let me look at that game against Watford that Southampton are playing later down the line where a fully fit and rested Danny Ings might be playing maybe there's more to read into it from that is there, is there anything there? I think there is there's a, there's a small bit there I think if it's just one player then um, in these two teams there isn't really a player that stands out in terms of um, you know that sort of talismanic player obviously Ings has scored most of Southampton's goals but he needs service so if Ings is not playing but like for example Ward-Prowse or, or um, I don't know Musa Gineppo are playing the players that usually create for, for Southampton, then um, perhaps, obviously, they probably wouldn't be up to full 100% uh, fitness for this game. So 
Um, it, it's definitely small, small factor. I think obviously, if if for example Watford do race into like a three 0 win against Burnley, and you start seeing him bring, seeing Pearson bring off the likes of Deeney and and Saar and Decore, just preserving their energy, then you would probably start to look at it and think, right, well, they've got that game won. Those boys have only played like an hour. Um, you know they're going to be much fitter than the likes of Southampton, who might be in like a, a really grueling um, ding dong match with Arsenal. So. Um, there's definitely something to it, but in terms of a, a one player, I, I wouldn't overreact too much to that. Because, like I said, especially if it's a striker, they, they need the service and, and they need the attacking players around them to be um, up to match fitness as well. Right, so we'll move on to Crystal Palace versus Burnley. And Palace were, I mean, they were one side that was kind of down there, potentially could have dropped and, and fallen into a, a relegation scrap. But they, they had a nice little run of, of games where they won, didn't concede. That obviously came to a, an abrupt end with that 4-0 defeat at Liverpool in the last game. With them, it it looks like a successful season on paper, but they've they've been the worst, att- they, or I think they've got the worst attacking process in the league or there or thereabouts. They've overperformed by by quite some way at the back. There's still a few games to go for them in this season, but it's one of those ones, if if they carry on that form through and, and on to next season, uh, for me, they could be one to watch down the, the bottom of the table for next year. Um, Burnley are another team that are, that are yet to play their game week 31 fixture, quite similar to Palace in that they've been a bit fortunate this season to to a lesser extent, though. I mean, they've, they've marginally outperformed expected goals, both in attack and defence. They're one team that are struggling with injuries at the moment. It's another one where the quick turnaround in games probably needs to be considered and, and watching what happens game to game. Obvious caveat again with this one is that we're recording before Burnley play Watford. The market isn't too confident on Burnley getting much out of the game against Palace. They're, they're 28% chance of a win with odds of 3.49. The draw is 3.23, um, which is 30%, and Palace are 2.3, which is a 40% chance of getting the win at home. What are your thoughts on this game? Um, yeah, th- this is this is a really intriguing game. Um, I think that looking at the one x two prices, if this game was played pre break, you're probably looking at a pick'em game. <coughs> Excuse me, you're looking at a pick'em game. But um, given the circumstances that's going on at Burnley at the minute and the the lack of players that they have available through contract issues and injuries, um, you know, th- I think that's the main driver in this market. Um, and obviously, the fact that they play on Thursday. Um, at home to Watford, we discussed that game on the last pod in the sense that that was such a strange um, 1x2 market as well, in the sense that Burnley are almost 2-1 to, uh, to one at home um, to get a win in that game. And I think that, that 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 could well prove to be an overreaction. And if it does, and Burnley do get a win against Watford, then um, all of a sudden this price might start to look really big for a Burnley win uh, at Crystal Palace. Um, I think this is all determined... Um, for me, anyway, if I was going to get Burnley on side, I'd have to look at the team news beforehand. Um, they they are a completely different team when the likes of Wood and Barnes aren't playing. Um, I think both are injured at the minute. I don't think there's any contract disputes there. Um, but if if one of them or, or both of them are fit and, and starting for Burnley, then yeah, this price is going to look really big come Monday, um, and it could well shorten um, as, as as team news are announced. In terms of Crystal Palace, they were. Um, pretty pathetic against Liverpool. They just rolled over and had the belly tickled. And, um, you know, although it was a very strong Liverpool performance and, and they were very sharp, uh, Crystal Palace looked very laboured. Um, Wilfred Zahar going off injured was, a was um, you know, obviously a, a big factor in their lack of attacking intent. But again, does that have a knock-on in this game? Zahar is probably a player that, that is, uh, 
you know, in terms of a talismanic player, he's probably as, as, as big as they come for a team in like Palace. So yeah, you know, Zaha went off injured and they managed just three shots equating to 0.09 expected goals. And it's the third game in a row in the Premier League which they failed to generate at least one expected goal. So it's no surprise that Crystal Palace um, struggled at Anfield. They've been struggling all season to create clear-cut opportunities and actually score goals. They managed just 28 goals in, in 31 league games. XGF of, of 33.1 um, in that time it is by far and away the worst um well, not by far and away. Newcastle is very close, um, but in terms of expected goals for per game, it is the worst um, process at one point zero three. Um, you know that that for me that that gets even worse when Zaha doesn't play. I've not got the stats in front of me, but um, I think it, you know in terms of uh, Crystal Palace's drive and creation, when Zaha is isn't there, then it is next enough, and they're reliant on set pieces and, and free kicks and the odd penalty. Um, having said that, we've already discussed Burnley's uh, issues and hearing as well, or reading anyway, about a potential um, fallout between Sean Dyche and the Burnley board, which doesn't sound too good. Um, obviously, he's been a bit of a miracle worker for them, um, getting them up into the league, keeping them there. And then obviously, as they were looking shaky last season and he managed to turn them around um, and get them pointing in the right direction again. So if he does leave, that is a, a, a big worry. And obviously, they're, they're pretty much guaranteed the safety. They sat on thirty nine points, twelve clear of the drop zone. Uh, I can't see any team in the in the drop zone getting near thirty nine points. So I'm pretty sure they're going to stay up comfortably. Um, they've not got really anything to play for, and and if Sean Dyche is is thinking about leaving at the end of the season, then um, that could be another reason as to why Burnley have been so unfancied these last couple of games. Uh, obviously, the Watford game and this game, according to the market, anyway. So. Um, but in terms of process, Burnley have, have been a much better team than Crystal Palace this season, even though Palace sit two places above them. Um, Palace's ex- expected goal difference is minus 20. Burnley's is at minus 3.7, despite obviously play that a game fewer. Um, so yeah, Burnley over the course of the season have been a better team than Crystal Palace. And, and away from home, although they're not great, 1.14 expected goals for per game, um, 1.57 against. Um, they're no, by no means um, one of the worst travelling teams in the league. Um, and overall, they're, they're averaging around 1.44 expected goals for per game. Crystal Palace, um, their home games don't tend to see many goals. Uh, they've averaged 0.8 ex- uh, normal, sorry, actual goals per game, 0.87 against. Um, it, yeah, it's really hard to see a, a, an entertaining game in this one, uh, given the fact that you're going to see probably no Zaha. Um, and a very defensive-minded um, Palace team and a, and a Burnley team that we don't really know what we're going to get from them uh, in terms of a, a team lineup and uh, a- application. So uh, it's hard to get on board with with the goals. Um, over two and a half, I think that the mod market's around five, uh, sorry, 2.3 for over two and a half. The model goes 50-50. I would personally swerve that. I can't see there being too many goals in this. Um, a bet I do like is in the both teams to score, though. I think that we could end up seeing both teams hitting the net. And I've spoke about Crystal Palace being a little bit limited without Sahar, but Burnley are far from um, a polished defence and they do give up chances. And all it takes is, is for one of them to fall to, um, you know, someone like Jordan Ayew, who's been pretty clinical this season, um, as he was against Bournemouth. Uh, and Palace will get on the score sheet. And again, I, I, all of these bets for this game, I would definitely wait for for team news, just purely because... 
Uh, we don't know what what lineup Burnley are going to put out, what players they have available, um, even what players they have on the bench. And against Manchester City, there was three or four uh, youth team players filling up the bench. So, um, but you know, just looking at the at the odds, both teams to score around even money looks looks like a decent bet. The model goes at fifty four percent. And and like I said, in terms of um, XG process and the way that Infogol rates these teams, um, we rate Burnley as, as far superior to Palace um, on XG. Um, which is obviously why, um, even with the home field advantage, we've got Burnley at forty-one percent favourites, and I do think that the that the price of Burnley to get a win is 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 way too big. Uh, but I wouldn't advise getting on side with Burnley to win this game until you see the lineups. Um, you know, it's really hard to to predict what what we're going to get from Burnley. Have a better feel for it after the Watford game, um, but. Probably opposing Crystal Palace is the way to go, whether that be via a lay or, or a Burnley on the double chance market. So um, that's what we're what we're saying for this game. I don't expect it to be a particularly entertaining one. Right, we'll move on to Brighton versus Manchester United. The the last game we'll be covering in in this portion of of game week thirty two. Been a decent. Return to action for Brighton, 2-1 two, two, win against Arsenal, followed by that 0-0 draw away against Leicester. So a, a pretty decent run for them, especially when those around them have, have struggled to pick up any points at all. Could have been a bit better had they not missed a penalty against Leicester. And I think when you take that penalty out of the, penalty out of the game, it was it was fairly even. So that was really crucial. Um, it's going to get a lot harder for them now. They, they host Manchester United and, and they're obviously chasing the Champions League. Undefeated in seven in the league, I think it is. They've always had a, a pretty decent defensive process, but now with Paul Pogba, Fernandez, Rashford, Marshall all playing together, they they can cause problems for for any team in the league. And I think that two point six three expected goals against Sheffield United is is pretty fair evidence of that. Um, no surprise to see the market buying into Manchester United after their recent win. They're one point eight zero six or a fifty four percent chance of the win at the moment. Brighton are five point zero one, which is nineteen percent chance, and the draw is thirty three point six or twenty seven percent chance. There is also a low goal total here at two and two point five. Bets on the over could potentially push that mark up a bit because betters seem keen to see some goals for this one. It looks like. I know you like Brighton, but you, you've also said that you rate Manchester United's chances of, of making the Champions League. So, who are you going to side with here? Um, yeah, this is a this is a difficult game for me to um, to obviously fall down on one of those teams. Um, I, I'm bought into Manchester United. Um, I think that price, personally, I think that price is quite fair. Uh, but obviously, as we've discussed previously uh, many times, the Infocom model works on a, a pre-game basis. Um, of around 30 to 40 games with uh, 15 game weighted um, rating in there as well. So uh, the model hasn't quite yet caught up with what Manchester United have been doing. Obviously, they've mass- they've improved greatly as the season's gone on, um, not only with the results, but the performances. So I think what we'll start to see is towards the end of the season, we'll start seeing Manchester United get a lot shorter on the, on the model um, for these kinds of games. I mean, we still make them strong favourites, around 46%. Um, but not odds-on favourites. Uh, it's a tricky game for them, though. Um, you know, we spoke about Brighton a lot this season and just how impressive they have been under Graham Potter. Uh, they won the last home game against Arsenal, obviously, uh, while they probably didn't deserve the three points in that one. Um, it was a solid win, nonetheless, in, in which they conceded less than uh, one expected goal. Um, and obviously, going away to Leicester is, is no easy game and, and limiting them to just 0.67 expected goals is a pretty good um, 
performance defensively. Um, and even if you look back prior to the break, the last game against uh, Wolves was a nil-nil draw. So you played Wolves and, and Leicester, two teams that are currently in the top six and picked up decent points um, just by being quite a defensive, taking quite a defensive approach uh, to both of those games. I'd be interested to see if they do that here because I think what we saw from Manchester United against Sheffield United in midweek is that if a team does come and play a defensive approach, they have the quality now with Fernandes and Pogba and they have the movement in uh, Rashford, Martial and whether it be Greenwood or Daniel James to cause teams that do sit back quite a lot of problems. Um, obviously, both of... Um, We've seen the first goal from Martial was was from a, a throw-in in which Sheffield United had about seven or eight bodies in the box. Um, and obviously, the, the, the third goal came from a, a quick transition from um, from uh, Pogba's pass through to Fernandez, and then um, splitting the lines through that. I think the second goal actually was similar to the first goal in which they managed to break down a, a block of Sheffield United. So they're, they're showing signs that they can actually create against these these teams that sit back against them which is a bit of a worry, actually, for everyone in, in the Premier League. I'm not saying that they're at, they're at City or Liverpool's level, but they're knocking on the door of, of potentially being the third best team in the league um, as the season progresses. And, and that's not out of the realms of possibility either. Uh, that win against Sheffield United moved them within just six points of Leicester, um, which obviously we, Leicester, we're not talking about them in, in this podcast, but um, in the next one, we can, we'll be discussing how they've actually seriously dropped off a cliff in terms of their their underlying numbers and and that for me means that they are catchable now for Manchester United and obviously they have to play them as well which could be crucial in in that top four race um so yeah I'm I'm, I'm quite happy with what I'm seeing from Manchester United um in terms of the way that they're progressing as a team the quality that they now have on the pitch uh, the way that they're dominating teams I thought they dominated Tottenham really well in terms of ball ball control and uh, and tempo control and I think when you have Pogba in the team you, you sort of have that anyway so Impressed with what I've seen from Man United, but equally as impressed with what, with what we've seen from Brighton uh, over the course of the season. And their home process is really strong: one point five expected goals for, one point three against. Um, and you know they're they're almost I'm going to say almost safe, but they're not too far away from being safe. Uh, six points clear of the bottom three. Um, and you know Villa have got Wolves next. Bournemouth's next game is a very winnable one to be fair against Newcastle, but West Ham have got to play Chelsea. Um, so. It's highly likely that two of those three probably won't win again. So even if Brighton do do won't win again, won't win those games. But even if Brighton do win this game, uh, lose this game, sorry, it shouldn't be too much um, of a detrimental loss for them. Um, I think they'll create a couple of chances against United. I know United have kept quite a few clean sheets recently in the Premier League, but um, based on expected goals conceded, they should have conceded more goals than what they what they've actually allowed. I think they allowed around two point five against Everton. Um, nearly two against Wolves. So they're still conceding chances despite keeping a few clean sheets. Um, then again, I think Man United will will probably um, score a couple, maybe uh, maybe if, if not three, given Brighton's uh, defensive uh, issues that have been there all season long. 1.5 expected goals against over the course of the season. It's not bad, um, but it does show a, a defensive vulnerability. And I think the other thing that, that, that probably hasn't been factored into this price um, is that Brighton will have had a full week's break, uh, whereas Manchester United are playing in the FA Cup on Saturday. So uh, Man United are playing Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Brighton are playing Tuesday, Tuesday. So Brighton will be really fresh. Um, and I don't think that's really been factored into Manchester United's price. Um, I know Man United have got quite a big squad and they can rotate quite um, quite well. But still, that for me is, is probably another reason just to 
eat air on the side of caution uh, at, at that price for Manchester United to win. So um, we're giving Brighton a, a 54% chance of avoiding defeat. Uh, Man United, a 46% chance of getting the win. So, um, you know, at that price, it could be a potential opportunity given the, the build-up in schedule to to perhaps back against Manchester United, um, given what we've seen from Brighton, especially at home where they have picked up results against better teams. Uh, I think they've, they've obviously beaten Arsenal, they've beaten Spurs, uh, they drew with Chelsea earlier in the season. So, um, they, I think their game, Brighton's game, is suited to playing against the better teams. Um, so, we could be in for a bit of a surprise there. I think you said about the goal line that's probably that's on its way down. I'm surprised about that. I, I thought that it might be on its way up um, after what Manchester United did last night. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday. After what they did last night against Sheffield United, where they created tons of chances against the deep line defence. Um, we've got the overs at 53%. The market's at uh, around 46, 47. So um, odds against, that looks a decent play to me. But I think the the the, the bet that I do like the most, uh, or the angle I like the most, is to just both teams to score. Um, the market is... He's airing towards the the both teams to score no, um, but I think both teams to score can be backed at around one point nine five or or two. So the model is fifty six percent much stronger um, and uh, both teams to score. So I think that's probably my uh, my advised bet in that one. Obviously, like I said, air on the side of caution with Manchester United given the short price and the short turnaround. And um, you know I know they've got Norwich in the FA Cup, so they could rotate players there and still qualify comfortably. Um, but yeah, again, wait for team news in this because I think that's probably going to be the key moving forward given the, the tight turnarounds in matches is, is just waiting for the team news um, just to see who's there, who's not and, and how that can affect things. And that is our lot for today. Still another six fixtures to go in game week 32 and we'll be back early next week to cover those and see if there's any more value to be had. Thanks again, Jake. I think you've earned yourself a little bit of a break from me. So I'll, I'll speak to you in a few days. <laughs> Cheers, Ben. If you do want any more information on InfoGold, then visit InfoGold.net, follow at InfoGold app on Twitter and download the app on iOS and Android. You can also use the Pinnacle Live Scores app to follow in-play action, set the games you want to watch and set alerts to make sure you get the odds you're after. All the information on downloading that app is in the description of this episode. All of our odds for Game Week 32 fixtures in the Premier League are on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with any bets and remember to always gamble responsibly.